Okay. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. And as you see to my right, it's Jason Cameron joining us uh, for the regular weekend wrap-up. How are you, Jason? I'm doing great. Doing great. It was a nice day today. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Glad we uh, had a good weekend. And uh, yeah, we had glorious weather this week. It was um, pretty fantastic. I worked outside on a few of those days and I was blown away. It was actually hot and beautiful. Yes, it was. It, it was a really nice week to uh, to work, especially if we were working outside. It was a nice a nice uh, week to work outside. So um, it's unfortunate. I don't think the rest of our weeks are going to be that nice. No, but uh, it would be nice if it was. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's hope. Um, yeah, we get some great weather through this December. Uh, you know, we're we're luckier than most parts of Canada. They're under the blanket of snow and uh, dealing with pretty uh, cold cold weather. So um, yeah, we got to count our lucky stars for that. Uh, week thirteen in the NFL. Let's um, dive in. Um, we're uh, about uh, thirty minutes away from the Sunday nighter. Uh, the Chiefs and Broncos um, shouldn't really be much of a game um yeah i don't know uh, chiefs are just uh, to me the class of the whole nfl again and uh, probably uh, have a really good chance of repeating a super bowl champs yeah and also too i don't know about the broncos but do they actually have a quarterback back there today <laughs> do they do they have one um yeah it's uh, it's up in the air i don't know what they're gonna do <laughs> Last week was just ridiculous, wasn't it? That was a crazy game. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Because, like, I'll, I'll say this. Because now that the Broncos are actually going up against the Chiefs, if they don't have a quarterback, us, this might be pretty, pretty, pretty – this might be a massacre. This yeah. might be a massacre. Chiefs are going for their fifth straight uh, AFC West crown. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure they're uh, – they should steamroll the Broncos. Uh, yeah, Broncos are very uh, undermanned, so – uh, not, we're not missing much if we uh, miss the first part of this game, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, the AFC playoff picture, uh, division leaders are Steelers, Chiefs, Bills, and Titans. Um, even though the Titans lost to the Browns today, uh, that, was, uh, that was a shocking uh, result. Uh, we've, you and I have been talking about the Browns and not really you know, confident. Uh, they've had such a weak schedule getting to 8-3 and three before today, and you're thinking – uh, Titans, uh, you know, they got just too many weapons. And, uh, yeah, the, the Browns uh, really impressed us this day. Yeah, they put points on the board in a hurry in this game, like big time, yeah. to the point that you're like, wow, okay, Maybe the Browns are for real. And let's be honest, the score is not indicative of what the game was. The score was a lot closer than what the game actually was. The Browns really handled the Titans big time. Yeah. No, it was, um, I think it was 38-7, uh, 38-10 uh, uh, at halftime. And 28-3, uh, the uh, Titans made a furious comeback. Uh, they outscored the Browns 28-3 in the end, but um, it was a foregone conclusion uh, way early. Uh, I think the Browns scored on their first five possessions, and, um, yeah, they were looking great. Uh both teams are the top two teams in the NFL and, and rushing Browns number one and Titans number two. I thought it would just be, uh, you know, a, a ground attack with both guys. But uh, Baker Mayfield had a fantastic game and was able to utilize his weapons. And, um, yeah, it was – holy cow. Uh, you know, Browns, you know, have 
set a lot of records. They haven't, uh, you know, been nine and three since I think it's uh, 1994. They haven't, uh, you know, had a four-game winning streak since 2009. <laughs> you know, we we talk week after week after week all the futility problems they've had, but um, yeah, very impressive win. I think maybe uh, people in Ohio are actually going to become believers. Well, they've suffered for so long, you know, like just for so long. They need something to cheer for. And I guess this is their year because, heck, that's a big win against a great team in the Titans. Yeah, huge. Um, today was a really great day. Uh, a thousand players had painted cleats on today. My cause, my cleats, it's called. Uh, they are sold to benefit different causes and charities around the world. I love when the NFL does this. Uh, we always call the NFL the no fun league. Uh, you weren't able to do, you know, many things, change your uniform, have any kind of props, any, anything. But uh, NFL uh, was wise enough to say, hey, let's, let's have this initiative. And, um, yeah, a lot of really neat cleats, uh, a lot of really amazing causes. Uh, I'm really impressed with when the NFL does this. It's always good when the NFL does that. It's always good when they're uh, uh, driving forth the causes that they're passionate about, or at least their players are passionate about, right? So it just get, puts the news out there, gets the information out there so that people know that these things are about and you can help by, um, you know, putting forth your money there uh, for those causes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, uh, we talked about the Browns upsetting the Titans, which was a pretty big upset, uh, but they were both eight and three going in. So, you know, there was people that picked the Browns, uh, but the upset of the weekend uh, had to be the Giants beating the Seahawks. Uh, we just saw the, the finish about an hour ago, and uh, I don't know what the heck happened here. Uh, the Giants are on a four-game winning streak. I, you know, can't believe that they're um, you know, dominating that NFC um, East now, but uh, Seattle slipped back into second place in the NFC West, and uh, a 17-12 loss was definitely not what a lot of people were expecting today. So the Giants are the toast of the NFC East. Is is that what I'm hearing? Is that it? <laughs> At five oh, and seven, <laughs> toast yeah. of the yeah, five and seven. Uh, it's 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 just it's it's amazing. I. I definitely didn't foresee this outcome when this game started. That's for sure. Um, kudos to the Giants for winning a defensive battle. And it just seemed like the Seahawks just couldn't get anything going or anything started whatsoever on their offensive end of the ball. Just nothing. There's nothing, nothing. Yeah. Especially with Daniel Jones hurt, uh, Colt McCoy. Uh, he's been in the league a long, long time, but it was – 2,232 days since he got his last victory in the NFL. So, uh, you know, if you're putting your money on the Giants today, you are a very bold person. Uh, incredible uh, that he was able to pull off this win. He didn't do a, a ton. Um, the, the star of the show was Wayne Gallman. He, uh, he had uh, 135 yards on the ground, and Alfred Morris had – uh, two touchdowns, one through the air, one on the ground. Uh, they definitely used the ground attack, uh, had the ball for a lot of, uh, of the play, and were able to just grind out a, a win. And their defense, their defense was good. They were giving Russell Wilson a lot of trouble. Yeah, the defense actually has been steadily improving with the Giants over the last uh, couple of weeks. And I guess it's culminated in them 
completely shutting down Russell Wilson in this game, pretty much, which is um, amazing accomplishment for the Giants defense. Yeah. Um, Tyler Lockett uh, did have an ankle injury today. Hopefully it's not too serious. He had a relatively quiet game with six catches for 69 yards. DK Metcalf, five catches for 80 yards. Uh, Chris Carson uh, finally back, uh, second game back, uh, and he was uh, definitely involved a lot more. Uh, 13 carries for 65 yards on the ground and three catches for 45 yards through the air and one touchdown. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, the, the you know the Seahawks um, definitely didn't expect that uh, they would lose this game. I, th I think they uh, you know figured oh well we'll be able to take it easy and beat these guys and and they were very wrong. Well, you know what? In the NFL, I don't think you can ever really take it easy. Well, sorry, I misspoke, except if you're playing the Jets, <laughs> if you're playing the Jets. But otherwise, you know, you got to take every team very, very, very seriously here. You know, like they're professionals. Um, every game is not decided until the, until the end of the game. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But still a very unexpected uh, result for this particular game. Yeah, sure was. Well, the, uh, the Rams are uh, now first in uh, West and uh, past the Seahawks with a big 38-28 uh, win over the Cardinals. Um, big NFC West battle. Um, Goff was uh, definitely um, on target today, 37 for 47, 351 yards and a touchdown. Um, yeah, he... Uh, you know he's he's really good when he's good and uh, yeah they uh, uh, they had a little fall uh, let Seahawks back into first place uh, but now they're they've got it again and uh, we'll see it's going to be a big battle between the, the Titans of of that division. Oh yeah, it most certainly is. And then the, with the with Jared Goff, he's just one of those quarterbacks that he needs time in the pocket to pass. Like if he's rushed, he's not going to be that good. But if he does have time. And if his offensive line is good, they give him that time, he's going to be very good. He's going to pick you apart. He's yeah. going to be, and that's what uh, his offensive line did in this game. Yeah, they got a lot of touchdowns from a lot of people. Higby got a touchdown. Akers got a touchdown. Daryl Henderson, TD. Uh, Robert Woods was 10 for 85 yards. Cooper Cup, 8 for 73 yards. And uh, Sean McVay is 7-0 against the Cardinals in his career. Um, pretty, yeah, pretty nice stat there. Um, Hopkins had a relatively quiet game, eight catches for 52 yards and a touchdown. Uh, unfortunately, Kyler Murray had an interception and a fumble, and he only had 173 yards touching, even touched, uh, 73 yards passing, but, um, he, he was able to throw three touchdowns, but not enough, uh, against the Rams. And, um, usually don't see the Rams give up 28 points uh, on defense, but um, yeah, they still were able to get the win 38-28. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the Rams, their defense is really good with me led by Aaron Donald, but Kyler Murray, special player. He's able to put some points on the board very, very quickly, but just for today, it was not enough. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the uh, other afternoon game that was uh, shown locally here was the uh, the Packers and the Eagles. Um, Green Bay was led by Aaron Rodgers as usual, and uh, he got his 400th touchdown today. Uh, only the seventh player 
to uh, re reach that. Oh no, seven other players. So he's the eighth guy to reach that uh, milestone. And uh, he did it in the fastest, uh, shortest amount of time, 193 games, uh, continually uh, upgrading his resume to get the Hall of Fame uh, nomination when he retires. Oh yeah, hey, Aaron Rodgers is that good. He's that good, he's always been that good. And congratulations to him to getting to that milestone quicker than so many of the other Hall of Famers that we could name, like uh, Dan Marino, Steve Young, Tom Brady, Drew Brady. Like, it yeah. goes on for a while, my friend. So that, that is impressive stuff. Really yeah, impressive. incredible. Uh, another thing that I noticed today was uh, he has the all-time record for winning percentage in December. Uh, all the quarterbacks that uh, are near him on the list are all um, in cold weather places. Uh, he, he has a record of 20 and three in December. And then number two on the list is Tom Brady, who's 36 and six in December. Brett Favre, 32 and seven. And John Elway, 21 and five. Uh, those are the top four guys on the list for the winningest December football players. Um, Kind of a cool stat. I, uh, I thought, yeah, I should write that down. No, that, that is actually very cool. And it, it's actually poignant for the fact that all of those quarterbacks play in cold weather areas, you know, cold weather cities. So they're used to it. They're used to the grind and used to the cold and used to be like, man, I can't feel my fingers, but that's okay. I can still throw a football. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I don't think you will ever see uh, teams like Miami, uh, you know, teams – Teams in, in, in uh, hot places, uh, you know, being able to do that. Uh, it's these cold weather places that other teams come into. There's freezing on the sideline. They just they can't perform. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is lucky. Uh, you know, two guys from the Packers on that list, uh, Favre and him. So uh, it's a nice place to be in December, I guess, for if you want to win football games. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, another record that um, was tied today was Devontae Adams, uh, probably considered the, the greatest uh, receiver in football right now. There's other people that are going to say Thomas and Hopkins and all that, but uh, you know, I think Adams is probably the best uh, receiver in the game right now, and he got a touchdown for his seventh straight game that tied a Green Bay record from a guy by the name of Don Hudson, who did it twice back in the 1940s. So. Uh, the record was uh, around a really long time before Adams came came to it today, and another couple touchdown performance from him. That is amazing that that record has stood so long because it's not like the Packers haven't had great receivers like in between those times. You know what I mean? Like, pretty sure there was a guy by the name of Sterling Sharp that was pretty good that was for the Packers. <laughs> Yeah. I can't believe I can't believe that it hasn't been broken up until this point. So great work by Devontae Adams and a dominant win by the Packers today. Yeah, they had a 99-yard drive today. Uh, they haven't had a 99-yard drive since 2009. So um, yeah, they were really good today. Uh, the Eagles, on the other hand, uh, really struggling. Carson Wentz uh, has had probably one of the worst falls we've ever seen of a quarterback going going from the penthouse to the outhouse and uh, he was finally benched today. Uh, Jalen Hurts came on through his first um, professional touchdown pass and um, yeah put 
put on a pretty good show. I was impressed with uh, how Hertz uh, looked and he was composed and, and was able to uh, create a couple of drives that uh, looked good, but uh, too little, too late. Yeah, too little, too late. And unfortunately for Jalen, his team is not good. So, you know, he did, he did the best with what he has. And then also, also too, unfortunately for Wentz, yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, a spectacular fall for grace for that man. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you didn't see the highlights, watch out for the touchdown that made it 30-16. to 16. Aaron Jones, 77-yard scamper. Um, man, what a thing of beauty. It was impressive um, the way he went down the sideline, pushing guys out of the way, making moves, and, and just refusing to go down until he was in pay dirt. It was, it was awesome, awesome. Oh, that's great, man. Uh, yeah, like that, that scamper, like you said before, was, uh, whew, that, that, was uh, that was a highlight reel stuff right there. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of beast mode almost. Uh, not, not throwing guys out of the way as much as uh, Marshawn Lynch did, but uh, just, uh, yeah, 77 yards and just refusing to go down, going and making sure that he was putting the game out of reach because – uh, the Eagles had put it to 23-16. Uh, you know, we're threatening the game, but uh, boom, Jones took over. And uh, they got Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. The two Aarons there are uh, really good players. And and uh, Green Bay's, um, yeah, marching again. They uh, they look like, uh, yeah, they've, they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs, especially when they get home games. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you got my two Aarons in the back there, you know what? You're going to have a lot of problems. <laughs> uh, the other afternoon game um, between the Patriots and the Chargers was uh, not even a contest at all. Uh, 45 to nothing. Um, I don't uh, have the stats on, uh, you know, that type of shutout, how long it's been since there was that big of a, a blowout for the Patriots. But, um, yeah, um, wow. Cam Newton didn't do much. I'm, I'm surprised to see his line. 12 for 19, 69 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but he did have two touchdowns on the ground as he ran 14 times for 48 yards and two TDs. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't think they trust him much through the air. So uh, they had a ground attack today. Uh, they also scored some big special teams touchdowns. They had a blocked uh, field goal for a touchdown. They had a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, but 45 nothing, um, yeah, that was a bit of a yawner, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, and also, too, that's great for Bill Belichick saying, see, we can still do it. We can still get it done like that. But, <laughs> but if you see the stat line for Cam Newton, you wouldn't think that the, the Patriots has won 45 to nothing at all. <laughs> no. Not, not even close. No, I was shocked when I looked at that. I was just like, whoa, am I reading that correctly? Holy cow, they barely had him throw the ball on. Yeah, there's nobody that did anything through the air. Uh, it was basically just on the ground uh, the whole day. Uh, but uh, Nikhil Harry got a touchdown, and uh, there was a lot of controversy this week about him. Uh, there was a big story that came out said he was the worst uh, draft pick that the Patriots have ever had, the biggest bust. Uh, he went uh, he went 32nd in uh, last year's draft, uh, 2019. And uh, he just hasn't performed. Uh, this year, going into this game, he had 24 catches for 213 yards. Uh, his both seasons combined, DK Metcalf has already blown away that. And DK went, uh, I think, 20 picks after Nikhil Harry. 
Michael Irvin even weighed in and said, um, yeah, I want him to come work out with me. I'm going to teach him how to be a proper NFL receiver, and uh, I'll be able to help him because uh, he needs help. Oh, wow. Like, just like, wow. Like, he's, he's been called out for not, for not being a professional receiver. <laughs> that's, that's, that's usually not very good. And it's not, that's not very good at all, especially if he, if he hasn't figured it out yet. So he should probably, that young man should probably take all the advice he can get yeah. at this point in time before his NFL career is actually officially over. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I was pretty shocked at uh, how many people weighed in and said, yeah, he could be the worst worst draft pick that they've ever had. So, uh, whoa, he better uh, pull up his socks. And, and uh, yeah, he's been passed on the depth chart by, by other guys this year. And, uh, you know, they, they don't have a wealth of, of talent at the wide receiver position. And, you know, he, they've given him every opportunity. He just hasn't delivered. But touchdown today, so um, maybe he heard all the – rumblings and uh yeah maybe it'll turn turn it around for him well you know what maybe it will turn around for him along with the team so yeah yeah maybe everybody will get a turnaround here <laughs> yeah. um okay let's talk about the uh, minnesota jacksonville game uh, a lot closer than i expected uh jacksonville coming in one and ten and uh yeah firing the you know the, their uh, head people uh, it looked uh, like, yeah, this might be a dumpster fire. Minnesota's got a lot of weapons on offense, and uh, they had to pull out a 27-24 overtime victory by a 23-yard Dan Bailey field goal in OT to even their record at 6-6 six and six and push Jacksonville into the 1-11 and 11 record. But, um, yeah, I didn't expect it to be close like this. No, I did not expect that either, but uh, the Jags came to play. They played hard. They played well. And and their quarterback is, I think that I think he's third on the depth chart. I want to say, yeah. Um, and he's he's been actually playing pretty good. Yeah. He's he's actually been playing very very well yeah. for a team, uh, like you know, in the position that they're at. Yeah, I, I was impressed with um, how he looked last week and uh, this week. Yeah, he, he definitely didn't take a step back. He looked he looked good. Um, they just they just needed you know a lot more than. You know, than him, but uh, yeah, he he looked decent and uh, yeah, gave him a really big shot to win this game. They had a, a late touchdown to um, and a two point conversion to to tie it and put it into overtime. Uh, they just couldn't uh, punch it across in OT. Um, Dalvin Cook had a crazy game. Uh, he touched the ball uh, 38 times, 32 carries for 120 yards, and six catches for 59 yards. Uh, but he didn't punch it in the end zone, which uh, has blown me away. When you touch the ball 38 times, you think you're going to be able to get it into Pater a couple times. No, you'd think so, but instead he's just like, I'll just, I'll just amass yardage. That, that's all I'm going to do today, just amass <laughs> crazy amounts of yards. They're, uh, they're amazing rookie Justin Jefferson, another fantastic game, uh, nine catches, 121 yards, and a and a TD, um, yeah, he's uh, you know going for a rookie of the year. He might have already wrapped it up. Uh, Adam Thielen back from COVID. Uh, he uh, he had eight catches for 75 yards and a touchdown. Um, they missed him for the last couple of weeks. Uh, good to see him back and contributing right away. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's great to have your weapons come back uh, when they're injured like that, and it's great to have Adam Thielen back on the on the field for the Vikes because he was sorely missed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we mentioned Mike Glennon, uh, 28 for 42, 280 yards and a touchdown. And their running back, James Robinson, had uh, 18 rushes, 78 yards and a touchdown. And he got the game time TD with 108 left. Um, and then the two-point conversion. But, um, yeah, it just wasn't to be. So uh, the Jets and the Jags are still battling it out for last in the NFL, trying to get that number one draft pick. Yeah, yeah, man. I still think the Jets are going to beat them. They're going to beat the Jags, though, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, well, uh, let's talk about the Jets then. Uh, they actually gave the Raiders some trouble. The Raiders had to um, uh, pull out the victory with five seconds left on the clock, uh, a 46-yard toss from Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs. He caught it, uh, ran it, ran it in. And uh, kept the Jets winless, uh, 31-28. If uh, they didn't come up with this miracle uh, finish, uh, yeah, the Jets would have pulled out the win. Here's the thing about the Jets. You kind of knew that they'd figure out a way to lose. <laughs> you kind of knew it, right? <laughs> yeah. Because here's Ruggs on that final play. He did a double move. Why would you bite on a double move at the end of the game? He needs a touchdown to win. <laughs> The DB bit, and then Ruggs was like, oh, sweet. I got like 4.27 speed here. See you later. Touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, pretty much, I guess, the second last play of the game, and uh, they pulled it out. Um, huge, huge win. Um, Darren Waller went off. Uh, Josh Jacobs was hurt, and Devontae Booker came in and, and tried to fill in well, but uh, Darren Waller was the man today. 13 catches, 200 yards, and two touchdowns. And Derek Carr was 28 for 47, 381 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, but Waller, uh, man, what a what a weapon he is at tight end. Uh, yeah, I've talked about it a bunch this year, and uh, he continues to rack up the yards and the, the amount of catches. It's amazing. Yeah, he just continues to keep growing and getting better and better with every week. And he is a beast. He is a problem to deal with uh, for the backfield of any defense when he's coming across. Um, Tua Tagovailoa uh, came back today and um, had had himself an all right game, uh, not too bad, 26 for 39, 296 yards and one touchdown. Um, they were able to utilize that really amazing defense, though, and keep Cincy to seven points as they won 19-7. Now Miami's eight and four on the year, and um, yeah, they've utilized Fitzpatrick Tua, Fitzpatrick Tua, and uh, yeah, they're they're still rolling. Seems to be working for them. Tua is now four and one, and then in the beginning of this game, I think it was Xavier uh, Howard got his eighth interception and is now leading the NFL in interceptions. Yep. And uh, great win by the Dolphins, man. Really uh, took it to the Bengals and uh, kept them off the scoreboard for the most part in this game. Yeah, that was an awesome pick he made. Uh, yeah, I was blown away. Yeah, fourth consecutive game with a pick. Uh, leads the NFL, like you said, with eight. And uh, their defense is, is phenomenal. They're, uh, yeah, really rolling. They've, they've got a really amazing, amazing offense there that um, I don't see a lot of teams being able to, to take advantage of. Uh, they're, you know, they're going to be able to keep winning some games. And, and if, um, yeah, if they can get, Tua on the same page as a lot of his receivers. Um, yeah, look out. Dolphins could do something. Oh, yeah. I, I think the Dolphins could definitely do something for sure. They have an opportunity. They have a chance. Just as long as Tua just keeps developing and just 
just keeps growing with the offense and learning the offense the way that he is, I think uh, they're going to be in great shape. Yeah. Um, yeah, they only had the, the one touchdown, Mike Gusecki. Uh, he had nine catches for 88 yards in the touchdown. Uh, their kicker, Jason Sanders, hit four field goals to be the uh, reason why they scored a lot. And um, this game was a little bit marred. There was uh, multiple fights through the game. And uh, there was five ejections in the game. And then right at the very end of the game, uh, I saw an overhead shot and almost the whole entire squads on both sides were, were fighting and even coaches got involved. Uh, I'm not sure what led to the bad blood between them, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy out there. There was uh, brawls happening uh, all through the game. All right. All right. We got some animosity. We, we, got, we, got, we got a rivalry here right now between Cincy and Miami. Cincy's just like, you Miami people, you think you're so cool. Oh, we got the and stuff. All right. Let's beat them up. No, it, it, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I don't mind it when there's a little bit of animosity between teams. Sometimes, you know what? Makes those games that much better. That's true, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, was, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I didn't get to see uh, too, too much of the game, but uh, yeah, I'll have to watch some more highlights and see what, what led to the bad blood. But uh, yeah, I don't, you know, football's a tough game and uh, it's good when teams uh, don't like each other and uh, get go come to blows a little bit. Uh, and yeah, good for Miami. Uh, keep keep rolling. Uh, since he's two nine and one, uh, obviously their their season's long over. Um, Okay, so let's talk about the Saints and the Falcons game. Uh, Saints keep rolling without Breeze, uh, ten and two now, and they clinched their fourth straight playoff um, playoff berth uh, four years in a row. Taysom Hill was uh, twenty-seven for thirty-seven, two hundred thirty-two yards with two touchdowns, and fourteen for eighty-eight yards on the ground. Um, is Breeze playing uh, when he comes back in a week or two? Oh, man. You know what? I don't, I don't know if there's a reason to rush him back right now. They're, they're winning. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, they're getting it done. Taysom Hill is doing what he's doing, and he's leading, the team, leading his team to victory. So I don't believe there's necessarily a real rush to get him back in the lineup right now. I think they can sit him, let him heal up even more, let Taysom just uh, continue to run the offense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's smart. Uh, that's what I would have said too. Um, I feel like, you know, you, you've got Drew Brees who's, you know, just been an icon there and, you know, he's, he's a little bit older, you know, a little bit longer in the tooth and uh, you know, he's went through fractures in, in his ribs, uh, you know, collapsed lung, a lot of troubles and uh, yeah, Taysom Hill's doing a, a really good job there. 10 and two leaving their division easily. And, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush him back. Uh, you know, definitely when the playoffs hit, yeah, you want him there. But um, why bother uh, putting him in harm's way until then? Yeah, yeah, very much. Because, you know what, he'll, he'll need to get some reps in at some point in time. But, hey, like you just said, he did suffer a collapsed lung. Kind of think that's kind of a big deal. So I don't know if it's necessary for you to just uh, trot him out there immediately as soon as he's uh, healthy. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Michael Thomas had a great game. Uh, he's starting to come around. Nine catches, 105 yards. Alvin Kamara, uh, 15 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jared Cook had a touchdown. Traquan Smith, TD. Um, yeah, uh, not much to speak about. Uh, 
with the Falcons. Uh, Julio Jones made his return. He's been out for a few weeks. Uh, six catches for 94 yards. Um, even uh, Todd Gurley made it back today, but uh, he he had nine carries for oh no eight carries for 16 yards. So uh, not a factor whatsoever. They they barely had a running game at all today. Um, yeah, they just Falcons just really couldn't get going. Uh, Saints defense is phenomenal too. Yeah, Saints defense have been playing very well, and the Falcons are looking to next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's kind of a broken record you've been saying for many, many weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Indy Houston game was really tight. Uh, great game. Uh, Indy pulled out the 26 20, 20 win. Um, they are eight and four, pushing Houston to four and eight. Uh, Deshaun Watson had the chance to uh, pull out the win. Uh, he fumbled the ball on a snap uh, late in the game. Uh, they, I think they were down to about the two-yard line, and uh, he fumbled it. Uh, Indy recovered and uh, pulled out the win. Uh, but, yeah, it was a back-and-forth tight game, and, uh, yeah, I, I thought Houston was going to finally do it, but, um, yeah, he just couldn't hold on to that snap. Yeah, he couldn't hold on to the snap as he's trying to hand it off to the running back. Uh, for some reason, though, I blame Bill O'Brien. I really do for this loss. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like it's just, it's just, he's done a lot to harm this team going forward, especially with um, the Hopkins trade, which I can't get enough of saying because <laughs> it's the most idiotic trade I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, you know what? Sean Watson, they, they did their best. They tried. But with that fumble literally on the two-yard line, it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking yeah. loss for the Texans and a great win for the Colts. Yeah, speaking of that uh, big trade with DeAndre Hopkins, uh, David Johnson, who they got back, uh, just came back from injured reserve. Uh, he had 10 carries today for 40, 44 yards and a touchdown and six catches for 24 yards through the year. So he contributed a bit, but uh, definitely not the same level as uh, Hopkins. Um, they were dealt a big blow this week. Uh, Will Fuller. Uh, got caught for some performance-enhancing drugs and was suspended for six games. Uh, so he was out. Uh, that made their top receiver Kiki Cutie, and he had a big game, eight catches for 141 yards, and Chad Hansen was five for 101, but uh, just not enough uh, to beat Indy, who's uh, eight and four and rolling. Rivers is doing great. Um, but, yeah, did you hear about the Fuller um, – suspension um no i didn't no i didn't but i wonder if he tried to use the excuse of i'm just using it just to come back COVID. you know like it's just i'm just trying my best here <laughs> <laughs> let's hope yeah let's hope i'd love to hear the transcripts from the meeting but uh i think he said it was some tainted supplement or something but uh most of them do say that anyway uh so you never know what to believe but uh, yeah, that's a good excuse. Uh, let's use that if we get caught, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, because as you know, that's the, usually the go-to of, oh, you know, it's probably tainted supplement. It was in my, it was in my powder that I got, you know, from GNC. Sorry. <laughs> of course. I get yeah. it. <laughs> no, but I love that uh, COVID. Yeah, I, I've been using it to try to combat COVID, keep it off. I think steroids, <laughs> is, you know, Build my muscles up, and uh, I won't be able to catch COVID. No chance. 
No, no, no chance at all. None. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, yeah. Moving on. We got uh, the Lions and the Bears. Uh, another um, upset, in my opinion. Uh, Lions beating the Bears 34-30. Uh, Matthew Stafford had a huge game. Uh, 402 yards through the air, three touchdown passes. And uh, this was Daryl Bevel's first head coaching game, first head coaching win. Uh, great guy from all accounts. Uh, he was with Seattle for many years, and I had opportunity to deal with him a little bit. Uh, nice to see him um, come in, uh, shake it up, and get the Lions a, a much-needed win. Yeah, great, great win by the Lions, especially with their, the, the comeback that they had. Being down two scores with under two minutes left and getting it done. That, that was uh, pretty impressive stuff by the Lions. It was incredible, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they did a strip, uh, strip on Trubisky with 146 left and we were able to get the ball and then um, get it again and, and get the, the, the winning score. It was amazing. Yeah, what a comeback. And uh, Adrian Peterson, um, yeah, still, still got it. Two touchdown runs again today. Uh, carried the ball 16 times for 57 yards. Another couple scores. And, um, yeah, I, I'm glad to see AP's uh, still chugging along. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that score that he had near the end of the game, he, that looked like vintage old AP where he mm -hmm. just powered through, I don't know, everybody <laughs> to get into the end zone. Yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive. This is the uh, Bears' sixth loss in a row. Uh, first time they've lost six in a row since 2002. Um, David Montgomery was uh, really great today, but he got stopped on fourth down at the 20-yard line with 11 seconds left as Detroit was marching down the field trying to get um, that winning score, and uh, they weren't able to, to pull it off. And, um, yeah, you know, you, you, you always wonder about uh, mid-season – firings um, by coaching staff, but uh, yeah, maybe it worked. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, like if, if you can squeak out any sort of wins with this team, anything that you're doing is a good thing. So, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, David Montgomery was 17 for 72 with a couple touchdowns. Uh, the, big, the big guy today was Marvin Jones, eight catches, 116 yards and a touchdown. And uh, yeah, rolling along. Good old, good old Detroit. So, yeah, the game has uh, just started, uh, Denver, Kansas City. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be able to give you some uh, big scores for uh, the Chiefs uh, any moment. Uh, but, um, yeah, why don't we switch gears and uh, talk about the NBA a little bit. Uh, let's, let's chat, first of all, about the biggest trade that happened this past week, uh, Russell Westbrook for John Wall. Uh, Wall hasn't played in a couple years, and so – Washington um, decided they wanted a different running mate with Bradley Beal and a new scenery for Wall, new scenery for Westbrook. Uh, what do you think of the trade? Interesting. I don't know necessarily it makes any of those teams better. You know what I mean? Because Wall and Westbrook are pretty much a very, very similar players with a couple little differences, minor differences. Um, the, one, the one thing that's concerning about Wall is, yes, he is coming off a massive injury coming back into the league. So hopefully he hasn't lost too many steps. I think that will become very, very apparent uh, in, the next, in the forthcoming season when he starts playing his games. Um, I would say that 
Washington probably got the better of the two players, clearly, with Westbrook being a former MVP. Yep. And uh, also, too, eventually I knew that it was going to be an issue with Houston going forward if they decided to keep Harden with Westbrook, which was there wasn't enough, ball, uh, enough of a basketball to share between those two. And I believe Westbrook wanted a bigger role instead of just standing and watching Harden do what he does. And so that was never going to be a thing. So that's why Westbrook had to vacate the premises and leave and go on to somewhere else. Now, with him playing with Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal actually has the capacity and the ability to play off the ball and come off screens and stuff and do catch and shoots. So he can play with Westbrook in that sense. But now that John Wall is with Harden, Wall kind of plays like Westbrook. So I don't know how that's going to look, but we shall see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I don't even uh, know if Harden's going to stay there. He's he's unhappy. He's he's asked to be moved. Uh, we'll see uh, what occurs there. But um, yeah, it was a. I think it was a good move uh, for both teams. Uh, unhappy guys on you know both cities wanted to change, and they've got it. And uh, I, especially if if Harden leaves, um, if Wall can recover from these, you know, injury troubles he's had, um, yeah, it was a good pickup on their part. And, uh, yeah, not getting much for Westbrook would have been tough. But, um, yeah, I think if Wall can return to his form that he had a couple of years ago, uh, yeah, it might be a really good move. Uh, yeah. yeah, so um, uh, COVID has hit uh, the NBA uh, Portland closed their practice facility today after three positive COVID tests. Uh, they tested the entire league, and there was 48 positive COVID tests, so um, too many. Uh, scary. Uh, you and I constantly speculate on uh, you know how this is going to go down. I think it's going to be uh, one of those crazy years. Uh, what the NBA decided to do was they released half of the schedule, and they said they'll release half the schedule later on, uh, probably to give them a lot of a buffer as, uh, when games are canceled, when games are rescheduled, moved, shifted around. Uh, smart move on their part, I guess, but um, I really wish they had a better plan than just to move forward like, uh, like usual. Well, you know what? They're, they're looking at the NFL, and they're seeing all the problems that the NFL has had, knowing – knowing that they are going to encounter the same thing. Like, you can put in all the restrictions, all the regulations, all the protocols that you want, but at the end of the day, there was way too many variables for you to account for to make sure that everybody is actually 100% safe. Yeah. You can't do it. No. You just can't do it if you're traveling from state to state and arena to arena. It can't be done. I'm sorry. Yeah. So... That was a very smart move on their part to give themselves, as you said, a buffer for the schedule because there's going to be changes. There might be a lot of changes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm not uh, very confident uh, in them rolling this season along. I think there's going to be uh, just chaos all the time. And, uh, yeah, I wish they had I wish they had figured out a, a way of um, having a bubble system, you know, maybe uh, play for – uh, you know, maybe play for three, four weeks and have one, uh, one of the conferences leave for a week or two so they can visit their family, get tested, come back. Uh, you know, I know that they don't want to all be in a bubble for the whole season because they're concerned about missing their family that long. But 
uh, you know, maybe you can have a division, all go home and, you know, sort it out, visit your family, then go back on the road like you would normally do. You know, there's lots of teams that go on the road for a week or two and then come back. And um, But, yeah, just uh, rolling out uh, as usual it just doesn't seem like it's uh, possible. And it's getting worse in the U.S. all the time, so not good. Yeah, it, it's not good because the U.S. is contaminated pretty much. Like, like when I say contaminated, like I, I mean like the whole country is like that. Like it, it's, it's just bad. It's pervasive and it's everywhere. So that's why they're having all of these problems. And like I said before, you can put in everything, anything that you want. You're still going to have these problems. You're still going to have it without a bubbling system. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, on to some other really strange news. Um, I uh, read this story today about DeMar DeRozan, who uh, had a home intruder come into his home in L.A. Uh, he heard some noise. Um, I guess uh, one of his children was in a room. He heard uh, some strange noise coming from down the hall, uh, came running out into the hall and got face-to-face -face with an intruder, uh, chased him out of his home. And um, yeah, this is his quote. Uh, he handled it. Uh, this is his quote here. He said, uh, oh, everything's good here. I grew up in Compton, so I've been through much worse. So it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> I was uh, blown away by that. Uh, but they caught the guy, luckily. Uh, and the guy ended up uh, confessing that he, for, he mistakenly broke into DeMar's house. He was actually trying to break into Kylie Jenner's house. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he's going to prison, and uh, hopefully he won't bother uh, any NBA players, any uh, uh, supermodels, uh, anybody else uh, around the L.A. area. Yeah, yeah. I, I find it more hilarious that he said, oh, bro, so sorry. I thought you were. Kyler Jenner's house. I thought I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What are you talking about, man? You can't be just breaking into people's houses like that. Oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Demar handled it quite well. I was pretty shocked. Uh, oh yeah, geez. Oh yeah, that kind of stuff happened to me lots of my life. I've seen way worse. Imagine Compton growing up. So um, yeah, uh, that was a crazy story. Um, but I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's put the guy away for a while and teach him a lesson. Don't break into people's houses in the middle of the night. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Don't do that. Don't 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 try to cost celebrities. Just I don't know. Just be a normal human being. How about that. Stay in your own house. Yeah, enjoy yeah. yourself in your own house. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's still scoreless in the uh, Sunday nighter. Uh, I did actually forget to mention uh, the games that are happening uh, the rest of the week. There's two games tomorrow. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers put their undefeated record on the line, 11-0, against uh, four and seven Washington football team. Uh, that's a 2 p.m. start tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm kind of mad that I'm working because I would really like to be watching that. And uh, the 5-15 game is the 8-3 Bills against the 5-6 Niners. Um, the game is being played in Arizona. Uh, because they can't play games in Santa Clara County where the Niners play their games. And uh, Josh Allen, um, fantastic year uh, leading the Bills against the Niners. Uh, yeah, it should be a pretty good game, but I think the Bills will take this one. Yeah, I think that will be definitely the better game out of the two. 
And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think Allen will probably have a really good game there. Um, but uh, at least the 49ers have gotten some people back on their defense. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, very true. And uh, there's a Tuesday game, uh, supposedly, uh, if everything goes according to plan. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, the COVID team of the NFL, uh, they're back and they're playing the Dallas Cowboys. Lamar Jackson supposedly uh, supposed to be back from COVID. Uh, he got COVID on Thanksgiving and uh, uh, said he feels pretty good and uh, should be able to come back. Uh, they said they had four strains of COVID through that team and they had a player test positive uh, 10 days in a row. Uh, a different player test positive 10 days in a row for COVID. Uh, so they've, um, yeah, had a lot of upheaval there in Baltimore and uh, Dallas is a, you know, train wreck completely. So uh, it should be an interesting game against two really uh, messed up teams. Yeah. Yeah. It should be a great game. Great game with all this COVID going on. And, and then, and also too, again, that's what I mean. Like, yes, the NFL has protocols in place to hopefully uh, stop the, the tide of COVID spreading in the teams, but it's still happening. It's still happening, so, yeah. Okay, um, I need to talk about our partners and sponsors briefly before we go any farther. Anchor FM has been a great partner and sponsor for Complete Sports Media. They've been really great at posting on multiple podcast platforms, and they call themselves the easiest place to make a podcast. So just go to Anchor FM and follow the instructions, and you can do the same thing that Jason and I are doing here. It's a a lot of fun and uh, Anchor seems to be the greatest place to do it. We also have a really fantastic partner in Verbero. Verbero is a hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in performance, value, and technology. Uh, the V350 stick is a fantastic lightweight stick with a lot of power and explosiveness. And uh, you can find tons of details on completesportsmedia.com about purchasing Verbero stuff. Pampas and Possibilities, they design and sell dried florals, floral arrangements and installations, and they design a lot of amazing uh, pretty things with West Coast vibes at reasonable prices. And finally, Forever Living, the Aloe Vera Company, they grow and manufacture aloe vera-based products for health and beauty. And CompleteSportsMedia.com has all the details and some ability for you to purchase products at a reduced Great. So thank you to the partners and sponsors we have. Um, okay, Jason, uh, there was a lot of combat sports uh, last night in the world. Uh, why don't we start with UFC Vegas 16 and uh, the big main event between uh, Marvin Vittori and Jack Hermanson. Um, what, a, what a battle. Five round incredible great fight one of the best title fights i remember seeing in a very very long time i enjoyed it a lot uh, how about yourself yeah the main event was amazing it was absolutely amazing um definitely fight of the night clearly clearly fight of the night and what i was most impressed by was marvin vittori and not just the way that he came out it was his patience that he exercised in the fight he didn't go wild like he has a tendency to do. He stuck to his game plan, and he had a counter for everything that Hermanson did on the ground. 
He had a counter for it. He was incredibly well prepared. And uh, Rafael Cordero, his uh, coach that was in his corner, really, really gave him all the tools to um, pull out the victory in this fight. Yeah. Very good point. Uh, uh, Rafael Cordero um, cornered Mike Tyson the week before, so uh, he was uh, making a switch from boxing uh, back to MMA. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the game plan that Vittori utilized was really fantastic. And uh, he, he came in ranked number 12 in that division, and uh, Hermanson was ranked number four. So there might be a, a changing of the guard there, Vittori getting back up there. Um, when he lost to Israel, Adesanya, uh, Adesanya said, uh, yeah, that guy's just uh, never going to be a factor in this division anymore. Uh, you know, he might as well change divisions. And uh, yeah, Vittori is pretty mad about that. He's called out Adesanya. He wants another shot at him. Um, but uh, yeah, he might be, uh, as of tomorrow, ranked uh, in the top five. Yeah. And, but rightfully so, ranked in the top five. That was an incredible performance by him. Um, in all honesty, he probably won't be at a shot at Adesanya right away. I would imagine he probably still has, has another fight before that fight could even be considered as a conversation starter. But um, it, was, it, was, it was a fantastic winning plan that he had to beat Hermanson. Uh, put together his combos well. Um, and then also, too, at the same time as Hermanson would usually turn up the pace because he gets stronger in the fights, Vittori did the same thing. He matched him in the fourth and fifth round with his pace and his intensity. It's a great fight. Yeah, no, it was an amazing fight. Uh, really good. I, um, I saw that Hermanson uh, posted uh, today that he had a broken eye socket and broken toe from the fight. But he said his spirit isn't broken and he'll come back even stronger. Um, uh, Vittori also called out Paula Costa. So that could be a, a tune-up fight uh, between those two. Costa was, um, you know, kind of embarrassed uh, against uh, Arasanya, quite frankly. But uh, that might be a good battle between them. Two really, really tough guys. Uh, the other thing that I loved about the night was it was dedicated to the Jim Valvano Foundation and the Stuart Scott Memorial Cancer Research Fund, uh, big fight for cancer. Uh, really great to hear a lot of um, stories um, of USC fighters where their lives have been touched by cancer. I think all of our lives have been touched by cancer, obviously. And uh, yeah, very moving speeches, very moving moments throughout the night. And um, they raised a lot of money for those foundations. It was, it was really great. Yeah, it was awesome to see. It was awesome to see the UFC go behind um, um, great charities like that. And it was uh, very touching to hear from Stuart Scott's daughters about um, their, his foundation and what it means to them to have that going through and what their dad meant to them too as well. It was, uh, it was a good night to be, uh, to reminisce about those that we've lost from cancer and those that have survived cancer as well. Yeah. No, it was great to see uh, Stuart Scott even in the cage uh, doing some rolling with some of the guys. And, uh, yeah, I forgot that um, he was so big on mixed martial arts and uh, he was such a champion of it. Um, not a lot of ESPN guys uh, were really ever into mixed martial arts. Uh, it was nice to see him um, as a guy that was in the front row uh, many fights and, and even in the cage uh, doing some uh, commentaries and some stories and stuff. It was cool. 
No, it was very cool. It was very cool to see that he actually was uh, like a, a proponent of mixed martial arts, a really big proponent of mixed martial arts. And it was cool to see that he actually practiced what he preached as well. Yeah. Uh, Denver Broncos just uh, went ahead, three nothing, fifty-five yard field goal from the Broncos, and uh, uh, man, they're winning! Holy cow! Uh, I bet you they just hope uh, the, the game stops right now and they can, they can count the victory. Uh, yeah, crazy, uh, surprising score so far. Uh, okay, there was a couple of more uh, positive COVID tests on Saturday early. And uh, two bouts had to be canceled because of it. Uh, the Montana De La Rose versus Taylor Santos and uh, Mavsar Abrilov against Nate Landwehr were both canceled and had to be pulled off the card. And a third fight had to be pulled off the card too as Cody Durden had a non-medical issue that caused him and his fight with Jimmy Flick to be uh, postponed or canceled. Um, yeah, so the fight card went from 11 fights down to eight, and uh, po positive COVID tests are just keep happening and and affecting the UFC a, a lot. It's um, it's been tough, but uh, they keep they keep just moving along, I guess. Oh yeah, I guess you know what? To a certain extent, that's all you can do. That's all you can do because you know that this is going to happen. Um, but like uh, the the UFC has been very adaptable to these situations. And they've been able to continue to keep putting on these events uh, with sometimes decreased amount of um, of contests, but at least they're going forward. So they're doing yeah, their best. Doing their best, yeah. I can't believe how often it happens. Uh, yeah, there's just every single card is having positive COVID tests, but uh, they're sorting it out, I guess, as, as well they can. Um, Okay, let's talk about the co-main event between Ovin St. Prue and Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill. Um, man, uh, Hill just looked uh, unbelievable. He just uh, dispatched OSP really quickly, uh, just a, a barrage of combinations, a couple of knees, and uh, took him out really fast. Yeah, um, you know what I, I noticed with Hill was that uh, he – he was putting out his jab as a range finder to figure out what the range is where he needs to hit this dude. Because in the beginning, it was really hard for him to find OSP's chin, find, you know, to hit him in the head as he wanted to. But in the second round, that's when he really began to really start to put it together. And it was just off, after that, at the end of that second round, it was an onslaught. It was an avalanche of punches. And yeah. before you know it, OSP is out of there, and he's won the fight. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually uh, pretty surprised that Hill was such a big favorite. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know huge amounts about Jamal Hill, but uh, yeah, he's still undefeated, seven and zero. Ovin St. Preux has, uh, you know, had forty fights, and uh, he's, you know, he's been in there against John Jones. He's been in there against a lot of really, really tough fighters. Um, but yeah, he was overmatched uh, for some reason. He missed weight first time he's ever missed weight in his forty fights. So. Don't know if there was any kind of um, cardio problem there, but yeah, once uh, Hill started uh, figuring out the range and stuff, man, his shots were just so accurate, and and he just uh, just put it on him and just kept coming and coming and coming until OSP was just 
uh, flailing around the cage, and Herz Jason Herzog, the referee, came in and you know stopped the onslaught. Yeah, Jason Herzog came and saved him. And uh, but uh, the other thing that really stood out to me was that Hill definitely had a speed advantage with his fists, with his mm -hmm. hands. True. Uh, he was way faster than OSP was. Yeah, much faster. Yeah, uh, super impressive performance. Uh, yeah, really great. Okay, uh, why don't we talk about the lightweight fight between Gabriel Benitez and Justin uh, Justin James? Uh, knockout win by Benitez. Uh, four minutes into the first round. Uh, yeah, what did you uh, what did you think about this performance? Ah, uh, it was it was a great fight up until it stopped. I was looking forward to see it more. Uh, Benitez actually looked fantastic with his kicks, uh, leading the dance and uh, his combinations, and James coming back with some huge bombs himself. Yes. But finally, Benitez changed it up a little bit and hit him with that knee to the solar plexus, took the wind right out of James, finished the fight, it was over. It was a very well-placed knee, and it was, a, it was a great counter to what James was doing because he caught him coming in and yes. then just took the wind right out of him. Yeah, at first I thought it was a, a liver shot the way uh, James went down, but uh, the once um, Felder started, uh, you know, breaking it down and talking, you could see that it was actually right into the middle of his solar plexus, uh, right into his gut, took the wind out of him. He just couldn't stand anymore. Boom, on the ground. Uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, Mark Smith came in and, and stopped it. But, yeah, the uh, James was a, a game opponent. Uh, he was throwing some really big bombs and really getting body shots in, getting some very big hooks. And, um, yeah, it was a good fight until, boom, that, that, that knee landed and it was over. Yeah, Benitez looked fantastic in this fight. He really did. Light on his feet. Yeah, I popped the jab quite a bit, and he had his combos working with his kicks. Yeah, great win by Benitez. Great win. Yeah. He was very emotional after the fight, uh, his boxing Coach just passed away, and um, he said he was uh, probably not as good in this fight as he would have been if his boxing coach would have been there. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a big win, and James came in, uh, you know, in this first fight and just bull rushed a guy and knocked him out within 40 seconds or something, uh, taking a couple of losses now, and he'll have to sort of evaluate. Um, what you know? What his style is going to be? How he's going to approach some fights? But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, enjoyed the scrap, and it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, it was it was a great scrap while it lasted uh, by two great competitors. But Benitez definitely uh, earned that win with uh, a timely knee to the solar plexus. Yeah, very very timely. Boom. Yeah, it was it was a killer knee. Just step in, wham, uh, put him down. Uh, the light heavyweight fight uh, was uh, two really big battlers, uh, very, very heavy hitters, uh, Roman Delice and John Allen. Uh, somehow uh, a judge gave the fight to Allen, uh, but Delice was, um, in my opinion, the, the much better fighter. Uh, yeah, somebody gave it 29-28 for Allen and the other two judges. Uh, no, somebody scored a 30-27 Delice and 29-28 Delice, but... Um, they, they actually said that that judge was the guy that gave Felder the fight uh, over RDA a few weeks back. So they're questioning uh, that judge's ability to, to score these fights. I question the fact that boxing judges are judges for MMA, period. Yeah. Maybe that's probably the problem right there in and of itself.
<laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, good. Well said. Of course it is. Yeah, just brutal. Uh, these guys are both uh, amazingly powerful, and uh, it was a fun fight. Delete's a, um, a Georgian fighter, uh, 8-0, and, and on a, a really good career trajectory. And, uh, yeah, I see him getting some uh, really game opponents coming up. And, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to his next fight for sure, too. And John Allen was good, but, uh, yeah, not, the, not the, uh, the better fighter on that night. So uh, the lightweight fight between Jordan Leavitt and Matt Wyman uh, had a crazy finish. Uh, only the 12th slam knockout in uh, UFC history, uh, but uh, Leavitt uh, grabbed him, uh, he held him, then he decided I'm going to take him to the other side of the cage, and just before he slammed him, he put his arm up, uh, made sure it was used as a base, and took uh, Wyman down to the canvas and knocked him out completely out immediately, jumped off of him, and the uh, fight was over. Uh, wow, I jumped out of my seat. Whoa, <laughs> what, a, what a KO that was. Yeah, I, I love the fact that once, because to a certain extent, you could say that Wyman actually jumped guard. And so when he did that, uh, Levitz is like, okay, well, my coach is over there on that side of the octagon. So I'm just going to walk him over there. And I'm going to listen to what my coaches have to say as I beat him up. <laughs> and so as he's doing this, you could see Wyman think to himself, Maybe I should put my feet down because he, he, he thought about it as he was being walked over. But then he decided to keep it, which was the wrong thing to do, quite clearly. Yeah. And I have not seen the slam done that technically savvy in a very, very long time by using his off arm as the frame for the head to make sure it has nowhere to go and knock him out with that with pure force. It was an excellent move by Levin. Excellent move. Yeah, yeah, such a young guy, so humble, uh, eight no, uh, in his career, and um, I, I really love the move that uh, immediately he walked outside the cage, uh, went over, um, apologized a little, I guess, a little bit to Matt Wyman's wife, and uh, yeah, it was just a a very nice move on his part to say, you know, hey, it's uh, it's my job. I didn't want to hurt him. Uh, you know, I had to take him out, but sorry about that. Yeah, no, that, it, hey, classy. And also, too, I love the fact that he did not do anything more to the man after he slammed him. Yeah. Done. Yeah. 22 seconds, done. Yeah, he could have easily probably hit him two or three, four times before the referee got there. And, uh, yeah, he didn't do it. Uh, uh, Wyman, you know, luckily uh, woke up in the cage, was sitting there. I could see him say, what happened? What it what happened? Uh, a few times. Uh, he doesn't remember. Uh, I don't know if he's going to even remember even getting to the cage, uh, but uh, really amazing performance from Levitt, a young guy that, uh, yeah, if he's able to pull off big wins like that, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's going to get some really great uh, well-known opponents. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the future looks good for that young man and uh, unfortunate for Wyman, but I'm sure he'll be back. The uh, prelims uh, had the bantamweight fight between Luis Smolka and Jose Quinones. And uh, really great fight. Um, Quinones, I think, had the early advantage. And Smolka ended up coming back and getting the win to 15 into the second round. Um, yeah, did you like this fight as much as I did? I love this fight. I love this fight because it was definitely a back and forth. And Smolka 
actually had to come back because he was losing this fight. He was definitely losing this fight. Canonas had superior um, uh, footwork, kept his distance. Um, his combinations were, were fantastic. He was the quicker fighter. So Smoker changed it up by taking him to the ground, created that mad scramble where in that he got full mount. Grounded, pounded him out, and then that was the end. That was all she wrote. It yeah. was a it was fantastic win by Smoker. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, he had to come back uh, in that second round. Uh, he lost that first round for sure. Um, but uh, the judo throw was great, getting him on the ground and finally getting that top mount position. When Quinones uh, turned, gave up his back, then he flattened him out and just started pounding until Herzog came in and, and stopped it from uh, any more beating from happening. And uh, yeah, Smoka, I've always loved him. Uh, that Hawaiian fighter, uh, great. He always puts on really great action fights and uh, quick, very quick, a lot of really great transitions. And uh, it was nice to see him uh, make that comeback and, and pull out the victory there. It was fun. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was great. Uh, yeah, talk yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, it was, yeah, it was fantastic, man. It really was. Like I said before in that second round where he created that scramble for himself and that was your TSN turning point for the fight yeah. and that, that's what got him the win. Yeah, no kidding, yeah. Uh, another fighter from Georgia was on this featherweight battle before this. Um, Ilya Tupuria fought Damon Jackson. And Tapuria was able to get the knockout two and a half minutes uh, into the first round there. Um, yeah, just really uh, set up his shots so well. He was able to get the body shot, and then the hands went down. He was able to start getting the, the head shots. Um, really just picked him apart in the end and, and pulled out the win. Uh, yeah, I was very impressed with this guy's striking. I was very impressed too because you could tell. Whenever he went to the body, Jackson felt every single one of those punches. You could see it on his face that he didn't like it. He really didn't like it. And that, that last left to the body really set it up. He, he folded him pretty much. Yeah. Folded him with that left, followed up with the right to the head, game over. Yeah. He said he um, really wanted to do body shots Canelo style. Uh, it was kind of cool uh, to hear him talk about uh, a boxer and uh, he, he really uh, said that uh, that was his inspiration and he really wanted to take the lead choke by uh, body shots first and and uh, man that uh, that last body shot just oh that looked like it really would have hurt a lot and I, I think a lot of guys would have dropped from that he uh, folded him uh, but took him out with the head shots yeah, definitely. He, he, he followed through with his Canelo-style body shots because those were vicious. Yeah. Vicious. Very vicious, yeah. And uh, the Jake Collier-Jean uh, Vellante heavyweight fight, um, yeah, well, they, uh, they definitely exchanged a huge amount of punches, um, you know, maybe even setting records. I, I didn't see the final tally, but, um, yeah, a great um, three-round battle between – Two guys. Uh, Volante looked a lot better than he did in his heavyweight debut. Uh, Collier, um, yeah, he's a skilled heavyweight. Uh, I'm very impressed with his stand-up style, and and uh, I like this fight to start off the night. Yeah, I love the fight to start off the night. Collier actually is he's actually incredibly light on his feet. He moves mm -hmm. around very well for a big man of his size. That's he really true. does. And he established the low leg kicks first and foremost at the beginning of the fight. 
jabbed, and then then those big guys really picked it up. Huge, heavy punches throughout the entirety of that fight. And Carlier caught uh, Volante with a couple big punches, but Volante caught Collier with a couple big punches as well. But at the, at the end of the day, it seemed to me that Collier wanted this fight more, and so he really stepped on the gas in the third. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, those guys threw bombs and um but yeah, a lot of uh, action. They didn't they didn't gas. They really uh yeah, just went for it and I was really impressed. Uh, I was hating uh Jean Volante's uh, heavyweight debut. I thought, "Oh, he looked so out of shape and and just gassed and uh yeah, no, at least uh, at least he came in willing to to fight, didn't take the win, but uh, yeah, really uh yeah, fun way to start the night. I like heavyweights. And, uh, yeah, when we get 15 minutes, it's a, it's a big bonus, I think. Oh, yeah. It's always a big bonus when you see big men just trying to destroy each other in the octagon. Always fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that was uh, USC Vegas uh, 16. And, um, yeah, it was a fun card. Uh, even though three fights got dropped off of it, it turned out pretty well. And uh, I, I enjoyed it myself. Um, but uh, the... the uh, this coming Saturday is UFC 256, and uh, we've got a championship fight at flyweight between Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. And uh, you and I talked about this um, right after when they made the announcement, because uh, both guys fought only two weeks, uh, three, well, it's going to be three weeks, only two weeks ago they fought on the same card, and uh, this will be the quickest turnaround ever for a title fight by far. I'm going to uh, read out the list in a second here, but uh, 21 days apart, uh, they both didn't take much damage and boom, they're ready to go. Uh, I'm excited, uh, bang, it's really cool that the UFC can pull this off. It's very cool that the UFC could pull this off, but it's more impressive that both fighters were willing to make it, make it happen. So uh, kudos to them, it's gonna be a great fight. It's gonna be a firefight and uh, with Figueredo in any fight, you just don't know when it could end because it could end at any point in time violently. Very, <laughs> very violently. Very violently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I, I feel like Figueredo should definitely be the heavy favorite, but um, Brandon Moreno's been, been really good in the last uh, stretch there. And I, I think it'll be a fun fight. Um, yeah, I'd put my money on Figueredo, but but we'll see how it shakes out. Um, I want to list off the other fights that are the quickest turnaround ever in history before. Uh, there's actually two fights that uh, happened in 56 days, and that's uh, Matt Hughes versus uh, BJ Penn and Matt Hughes against George St. Pierre. They were both 56 days. And uh, also the champion, Ronda Rousey, uh, she fought both. Uh, Misha Tate and Sarah McMahon in 56 days as well. Uh, those are the fastest turnarounds happened before. So 35 days uh, beat the record by. Uh, that's a, a significant difference between uh, uh, two months and three weeks. That's a, it's a quick turnaround. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see that again. I'm going to be honest. I think this is going to be the quickest turnaround period. I don't think this will ever be eclipsed. Yeah, I doubt it. I really, really doubt it. I think that's a record will hold forever. Um, the other fights that uh, are on this list uh, happened in 63 days, so just over two months. Uh, 
Chris Cyborg fought Holy Holly Holm and uh, Kunitskaya all in 63 days. Uh, Jones, uh, Gustafson, and then Smith in uh, 63 days. So that was a pretty recent one. Uh, Ken Shamrock um, way back. And then uh, Valentin Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, Jessica I and Liz Carmouche in 63 days. So a lot of amazing fighters on that list. Um, but uh, yeah, this is pretty incredible that they're pulling this off and having it uh, so soon. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm blown away. Really cool. Uh, Tony Ferguson is back. Um, he took a severely bad beating last time. I hope he's fully recovered mentally and healthy. Uh, fights Charles Cowboy Oliveira. Um, I think this fight's going to be really, really fun as long as Tony's back. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think I'll, I think I'll know if Tony's back as long as he's wearing his uh, sun, sunglasses. As long as he's wearing his sunglasses indoors, that's when I know Tony Ferguson's back. But it's <laughs> going to be a very, very exciting fight, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, UFC 256. There's only two cards left uh, in the year. We're, uh, we're winding it down uh, as we head towards Christmas. Uh, Cub Swanson and Daniel Pineda are fighting on the main prelim fight that night. And then we've got UFC fight night, December 19th. Uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is fighting Jeff Neal. And in the co-main, it's Jose Aldo fighting Marlon Vera. So a couple of really great cards to look forward to as the year comes to a close for the UFC. Um, two more notes I want to talk about the UFC before we move on to some boxing. Uh, Yoel Romero was released by the UFC with three fights remaining on his UFC contract. Dana White said they have to cut 60 fighters off the card uh, by the end of the year, uh, but, but off the roster by the end of the year. And Yoel Romero, he said, has lost four out of his last five and is 44 years old. It's time to um, cut him loose. And I was pretty shocked by the news. Uh, for those last five fights, I believe, at least four of them were title fights. So, um, yeah, pretty shocking. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, I, I'm very shocked, especially if you look at Yoel Romero. You would never guess he was 44. <laughs> Not with a body like that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that is shocking, but I understand where he's coming from from a business standpoint, where he's looking at the man's age and stuff, and and also too, uh, his last couple of performances weren't great. Yeah. 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 Uh, he got three hundred fifty thousand for fighting Adesanya. He got one hundred fifty thousand for fighting Paulo Costa. Um, I think that might have been a factor as well. I know the UFC tries to keep the salaries down and his salary was starting to creep up uh uncle dana said um, yeah he's got to cut a lot of guys loose they've they signed 37 fighters between august and november from the dana white contender series so um yeah i guess they, he said they've got to uh, trim the fat off the uh, uh, bottom end of their uh, roster and uh, yeah i'm sure we're going to get a lot of shocking news in the coming weeks on other guys that are um, sent packing yeah uh but also too this is good kind of for the ufc which is to further reiterate to the fighters don't get comfortable because you get cut at any point in time because the name of the game of this game is to win yeah. so you better keep winning 
So, yeah. Uh, there was a funny uh, message that uh, Henry Cejudo sent to Dana White this, uh, this weekend. And he put a message on Twitter and a video. And uh, he showed this hilarious video. It looks like these, this guy's in somewhere in Abu Dhabi or something. And he tries to throw uh, some kind of combination at a guy. He gets knocked out. His legs are stiff. <laughs> the, he's completely KO'd and his legs are stiff. And the, the guys are trying to manufacture his legs and sort of unstiffen them a bit. <laughs> his legs are flopping back and forth. And he said, this is exactly how it's going to look uh, when I fight all of your rented champs. 125, 135. And he said, especially that little midget at 145, hashtag Alex Volkanovsky. And uh, so Triple C, I think, uh, is saying that he wants to come back and uh, take some belts back from uh, some of these rented champs that he called them. Rented champs, huh? Oh, all right. All right. That's pretty cool. Hey, you know what? Uh, that's, that's a great thing about social media. You can stir up some trouble right away just by saying some stuff and associating it with a ridiculous video. But that would be great if he came back in. But I want to say I think there's still the, the issue of him being fairly compensated. I want to say that was probably the main reason why he walked in the first place. Yeah. So, and now with Dana actually having to cut 60 people, will there be room for him on, like, going forward? There should be, since he's a former champion. He never lost his belts. Should be, right? Yeah. But at the same time, does Dana want to pay him? Because he didn't want to pay him before, but right. would make me think that he'd want to pay him now. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't see that changing, especially in COVID time. UFC is definitely not bringing in the same money for, you know, their live gates and, you know, they, they have probably have less money than when they, uh, what they had uh, when triple C walked away. So uh, yeah, I don't know uh, if it comes down to money, uh, he probably won't come back, but, if it comes down to you know continuing a legacy and trying to beat these rented champs, um, I, I like that he called out Volkanovski. Uh, he called him a glorified midget. I think uh, yeah, it's kind of hilarious. And uh, yeah, he's got a great mouth on him. He can definitely talk up some fights. So I hope he comes back uh, no matter what. And uh, yeah, hopefully they're able to figure out the money thing. Uh, uh, it never seems to you know be too easy to work out the money thing, but uh, as long as it's more for legacy, uh, he should come back. Yeah, yeah. If it's for that, yes, for sure. But obviously, there's going to be a factor for that. And it's funny how he calls um, Volkanovski a glorified midget. I don't remember Cejudo being that tall himself. <laughs> they, probably, Anyways, I, they probably are the same height, probably. <laughs> yeah, or Cejudo's actually shorter. But, you know, whatever. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. It works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, um, yeah, that was fun. UFC, uh, yeah, it was um, great to break that down. Uh, why don't we talk about boxing? There was a, a big boxing card on Saturday as well, uh, same time as the UFC. And um, the WBC and IBF World Welterweight Championship was on the line. A 12-round fight from Arlington, Texas, Cowboys Stadium, AT&T Stadium. Uh, they still had 16,000 fans there, but... It looks sparse in an 80,000-seat uh, stadium. Um, but, uh, yeah, kind of an anticlimactic uh, main event. 
um, you know, a battle for the pound for pound best in the world, possibly there. Errol Spence says, um, yeah, can't come back from a horrific car accident and uh, looked, you know, looked as good as usual, uh, really um, handled his business. I just didn't like the way Garcia seemed to uh, let him take the victory. Uh, didn't, didn't put up much of a fight, uh, in my opinion. His approach to this fight was the wrong approach. That's what I'm going to say. I understand how hard it is to change your style that you've had your entire career. But for this particular fight, he needed to change his style. Yeah. He needed to literally punch more. That's what he needed to do to beat this guy. He needed to punch more instead of sit back and counter, which is what he always does. He needed to have more volume throughout every round in this fight. Yeah. That's how he was going to win the fight. And when he didn't do that, and those rounds started to slip away as it went on and on and on and on, then it became impossible for him to win. There was at no point in time where Spence was actually worried about in any way, shape, or form about this fight or any fight coming back from Garcia. There was yeah. nothing. Yeah, it's, it's um, unbelievable that uh, even his corner wouldn't uh, make an adjustment, make a change, realize that this isn't going to win us this fight. Uh, you know, this might be... His only shot back at um, another, you know, championship. And, um, yeah, he just seemed to blow it. Uh, he just was outpunched uh, pretty much every single round. I think he might have won uh, fifth round and, you know, maybe one of those later nine or ten, uh, tenth round. But, yeah, just uh, frustrating when you see a guy getting a shot back at a championship and just really not giving it all until – at the very end, maybe the last 30 seconds, suddenly he just started letting his hands go and throwing, throwing caution to the wind. But uh, I don't, he doesn't seem to be in very much trouble with Spence. It was just this jab that just kept connecting the whole time. There wasn't a, a huge amount of power punches landed by Spence. I think, actually, Garcia probably had more power punches land. But, um, yeah, his, his, his approach to this fight was just really frustrating. Yes, it was. I, and I believe, actually, with the power punches, they were even. It was about, around 100 even for both of them. But at no point in time did I ever feel that, that Garcia was actually out-punching him or, or out-pointing him. Like it, it was just fairly obvious to me that Spence had firm control of this fight from start to finish. He got off first. He finished his combos last on every sort of... Uh, interaction in the boxing ring between him and Garcia. And it just, it, it, to me, it seemed like it was pretty easy work for Spence. Because yeah. at least in Garcia's other two uh, championship fights, he lost those, but it was super close. And in this fight, it was a definite loss. Yeah. It wasn't close. Yeah, it was maddening. He's a, he's a former two-division champion, and he just didn't show the championship medal. Uh, yeah, it was just yeah, too bad because I was really excited for that fight. Uh, Errol Spence looked as, as good as always. Um, uh, he holds three belts now. Manny Pacquiao holds one, and Terrence Crawford holds the other. Uh, there's a lot of talk that Terrence Bud Crawford and uh, Errol Spence are on a collision course now. Possibly um, Crawford and Pacquiao getting uh, you know figured out those two belts. And then uh, the super fight between Spence and Crawford. Uh, this is the predominant, preeminent 
division in boxing now. This has become the best division in boxing, has the most, the best storylines. Yeah, and it's been the best division in boxing for, I would say, at least a decade now. Wow. At least. I, I, I would say it's been like that for a long time. Um, and it would be great if we saw a complete unification of all the belts in this particular division. But first, number one, um, Crawford and Pacquiao have to figure out their stuff so that the fight goes off forward, figure out who the winner of that is. And whoever the winner of that is finally gets to fight Errol Spence. And then we see a unified belt holder. Yeah. And that will be awesome to see. Oh, awesome. Man. Yeah. Incredibly awesome. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I actually guess I do hope that um, Pacquiao and Crawford fight so that one of them will hold, you know, the, the other belts and then whoever wins holds them all and, and unifies, you know, the, all the divisions. I mean, the, all the, the belts in that division and it, uh, it should be that way in, in most divisions and you know sometimes you got five champions in a division it, it just becomes watered down and ridiculous so uh, it'd be nice to finally see somebody unify them all yes it would be and if i had to guess who would be that person i'm sorry i'm still going with uh bug crawford i think bud is the guy yeah. i think he's the best out of the three now all he has to do is prove it yeah but errol spence guy is good he's real good yeah. you know like his last couple of wins that he's had against the two garcias mikey garcia danny garcia uh sean porter who's never been knocked out and he knocked him out in one of the best fights i've seen in a long long time that fight was amazing yeah so, yeah we'll Craw and crawford's performance against kel brook a couple of weeks few weeks back was uh just a, a amazing performance and yeah both of them are at the top of their game and uh yeah i think errol spence goes back to the gym and and trains for you know bud crawford uh i you know i would be doing that right away and and uh, yeah we're gonna see an incredible super fight sometime in 2021 yeah yeah i i hope so and i hope it's uh not too far off i would if i if i had to guess if i had to guess Whenever they hold the Pacquiao-Bud uh, Crawford fight, that would probably be sometime soon or in April. And then the next fight, the Errol Spence, whoever wins that fight, that would be in sometime in summer, late summer. Yeah. And that would be awesome. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I want to just break down a couple of the other fights on the card. Uh, there was the WBA World Super Welterweight title eliminator between... Sebastian Fondoro and Khabib uh, Ahmed. And Fondoro, uh, you got to notice his height immediately. He comes walking into the ring at six foot six, and it is just stunning. You think, wow, this could be one of the tallest fighters I've ever seen at a top level. And he just absolutely just brutalized Ahmed. Took him out with a second-round TKO. And, uh, yeah, I think the future is incredibly bright for this, this young guy. Uh, it, was, it was just a masterful performance. Yeah, he has the reach. Six foot six like that, just keep him on the end of his punches and not worry about anything after that. <laughs> no, 
the, the shots landed were 53 to 5. Uh, he was just um, absolutely pretty much unhittable. Uh, Habib, uh, we talk about Habib in UFC, uh, not the same uh, class. This guy, um, I think he was just so overwhelmed. He was actually in trouble 30 seconds in, uh, got rocked with an uppercut, uh, wobbled back, and uh, took a huge amount of shots. Um, I don't I don't think I heard his corner trying to give him some feedback between rounds on what to do next, but um, I would have just tried to get in range, like like a lot tighter to Fundura, because man, where he was st- he was st- stepping out on range and just boom, 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 just taking so many shots. It was it was brutal. It was uh, yeah, it was a mismatch, but. Bandura, I think, yeah, the, the sky's the limit for this kid. Yeah, and also, too, well, you have to be given a chance to get in inside range, and he, he never got that chance. You know, <laughs> he just never got anything, actually. <laughs> I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about some of um, his, the other tall fighters. Uh, yeah, there's a, there was a graphic I saw, and uh, he, th- this guy's nickname is The Towering Inferno, which I really like. Um, They've got uh, a list of the notable tall super welterweights in history, and uh, Fondura 66, and then Mark Breland, uh, always legendary for being super tall, 62. Thomas Hearns was 61. Tony Harris is 61, and uh, yeah, just uh, this guy's four inches taller than the, the next, you know, super welterweight that was a, a, a guy that was a champion, and uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see him. Fight a little bit better competition and, uh, yeah, see if somebody is able to uh, get inside and uh, figure out this reach advantage that he has. Well, yeah, hopefully the next guy is actually going to be, like, a real competitor as opposed to, oh, I don't really want to say it like this, but a tomato can. But, yes, hopefully uh, the next guy is going to be something of a challenge for uh, Fondero. Yeah. Uh, did you, did you see the other, um, fights on the card? Uh, did you watch? I only saw those two fights. That's it. Okay. All right. Um, the welterweight bout that they had between Jose Cito Lopez and Francisco Santana, uh, 10th round knockout, uh, Jose Cito, uh, 18 year veteran of the game. Uh, Francisco has been in the game for 15 years, but, uh, Jose Cito, um, knocked him down four times in the fight and was able to finally stop him in the 10th round. And then the uh, Ramirez-Flores fight, uh, fifth round knockout. This was also a title and eliminator for the WBA World Featherweight Championship. And uh, Ramirez had the big win. Um, yeah, uh, really impressive, fun uh, nights of, of boxing and UFC. But um, yeah, I was glad to see the, the boxing was great. Um, that was a little anticlimactic. Um, uh, main event, but uh, the rest of the fights on the card were, were fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the fights were great. Um, it was just unfortunate that the Spence Garcia fight didn't actually have a little bit more drama to it. Yeah. Um, and hey, but that's how good Spence is. Won it, won it easily going away. Yeah. Uh, the score in the Sunday nighter, five and a half minutes left, uh, 10 to three for Denver. Uh, shocking somehow. Uh, looks like 
Mahomes has got uh, KC at first and goal not that now, though, so it uh, could be uh, tied quite soon. So uh, I'm going to let Jason go and enjoy the rest of his uh, night and enjoy the rest of his football game. And, uh, yeah, thanks, man. This was fun. Uh, man, we got to talk about uh, tons of stuff this time. And, and um, yeah, I guess we've got a couple of UFCs left and uh, only four weeks left of the NFL season before the playoffs. So getting down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah, getting down to the nitty-gritty. Can't wait to see it all co come down. And also, too, very much looking forward to our Christmas break coming up. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. Okay, thanks, buddy. Always, always a pleasure. Take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, you got it. See ya. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, well, um, yeah, I'm just going to wrap it up. Uh, we're, we're um, yeah, we're running uh, pretty late tonight, and, and uh, we've had a fun, fun breakdown of the weekend sports. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I always do and uh, appreciate your support as always. And uh, go to our website, uh, give us some comments, uh, purchase some products. And uh, yeah, um, uh, really looking forward to um, the next couple of weeks and then uh, a break over Christmas and uh, getting into the 2021. Uh, be nice to put 2020 in the rear view mirror and behind us. Uh, I don't think 2020 has been very good for most people. And um, yeah, the sporting world continues on, but COVID continues to rear its ugly head. And, and uh, we're hoping that the vaccine comes and we're hoping that uh, people um, get locked down a little bit more and uh, stop the spread from this. And we can move forward and we can just talk about, you know, fun things in life, uh, sports especially. And uh, don't have to talk about this virus anymore. So, all right. Well, um, yeah. Thanks again for tuning in. Love you lots. Take care of yourself. Have a really great week ahead. Bye for now.